Okay, we're doing Dab Chavav, <coughs> starting right from the bottom, two words, Chavhem, based on Rabbanan. Ve'il Kroyin She'in Misachan. These are the types of rips that you're not allowed to fix them. Uh, when we say fixing them, we mean uh, fixing them perfectly, you know, like evenly and everything, professionally. Somebody risked the garment for their parents, right? That's the you say, one of the chilukim between ripping for the parents and ripping for other relatives, that par- relatives, the rip could eventually be ripped, uh, could, could be put back together. But for the parents, the rip that's made for them, out their covered, you're never allowed to uh, put it back together fully. If somebody risked for the death of Aviv Shalim Daitari, taught in Tarif, Al Nasi, or for the death of the Nasi, the people. Al-Abbasin, the person who is in charge of the base of Al-Shemus if you hear about bad things, the Gemara is going to explain what exactly this is, but evidently there are things that bring a person to judge grief when, they, when he hears about them, that he should rip, and that type of ripping should not be fixed. Al-Birchas Hashem, somebody who hears someone bless Hashem's name, is the euphemism, it means the exact opposite. You hear somebody curse Hashem's name. If you're experiencing that, if you hear somebody say uh, something against Hashem, a curse of the name of Hashem, then you have to rip and not fix it. I'll say Vitarshan is if somebody sees a Sevatar that's burned, uh, he has to rip. And again, it means that you uh, you see that happen, you witness that. Well, our Yehuda, somebody who sees the ruins of the cities of Yehuda, Allah Mikdash, or somebody sees the base of Mikdash, Val Yushalaim, somebody sees the ruins of Yushalaim. So when you see these things, then you have to uh, then you have to rip. Okay. So there's very interesting halacha of all these things. I think the last one is the one that's uh, uh, that uh, the last couple of things are the ones that are that are most common in our day and age. But the Ari Yehuda Mikdash Vayushalayim, the Gemara will talk about that ripping when you see the the ruins of Jerusalem and the base of Mikdash. Then it says Vekorea Al Mikdash Umosifayushalayim. Right? Usually, what's going to happen most of the time is that uh, theoretically you're going to be by both. So the ends of the Brisa says you rip over the base of Mikdash and then you could extend it for Yerushalayim, meaning. You don't have to make a new one when you see the ruins of Yerushalayim. You can just extend what you already made by the, by the base of Mikdash. Now, this is going to be very strange because usually you would think that you would see the ruins of Yerushalayim and then you would see the ruins of the base of Mikdash, right? Here the rice is discussing somebody who just ripped for the base of Mikdash who says, oh, now that he sees the ruins of Yerushalayim, so he should rip and he, should, he doesn't have to make a new one, but he could extend it. So the Gemara is going to clarify what's the case where he first saw the ruins of the base of Mikdash and now he's extending it for the ruins of Yerushalayim. We'll get to that eventually. So we're going to go through first the sources for all these dinims. So, how do we know for one's father, mother, or for a teacher, a taught person, how do we know that there's a chiv kriya? The chiv, it says, and we're talking about when Eliyahu Navi moved from this world. So we don't really say that Eliyahu Navi died, right? The Pasuk says that he was more like taken up. But Elisha, who was his, his disciple, went into a state of mourning. So it says, Elisha, Elisha was watching this whole scene of, of Eliyahu being taken. He was shouting, Avi, Avi, my father, my father, Rechev Yisrael Parashav. He was Klai Yisrael's chariot and the horseman. He didn't, and then suddenly the Pasuk goes on to say that he ripped Korea. He ripped it into two, two pieces. So Avi, 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 Imo, since the Pasuk says, Father, Father, we learn from here, obviously it wasn't a biological father to Elisha, but Elisha treated it like a parent, so we see that it warrants, a parent warrants a ripping. Rechav Yisrael Parashav is a Rav Shalom And then he went on to say that that Eliyahu was Klai Yisrael's chariot and horseman. That's a reference to Tyra. That someone who teaches Tyra, you should, that's also something that warrants ripping. My mashma, how do we see that Rechav Yisrael Parashav? How does that a reference to Torah? If you're talking about Yosef, it's like what Yosef said over in the Targum. Yosef was the blind person, right? So he used to have a whole thing that he wouldn't be able to uh, say the Pesukim by heart because you're only supposed to say Pesukim that you're reading. So instead of saying the Pesukim by heart, he used to make a Targum for them. So he said, Rebbe, Rebbe, the Tavlahon, Yisrael, my teacher, my teacher, who's better than Klai Yisrael, but so see my Sikhon He's better. 
to Klai Yisrael, more, he does more benefit to Klai Yisrael with his, with his davening than all the chariots and horsemen in the world. So the point, uh, the point here is that we're saying that, that, that he used to daven for them, and he was a Klai Yisrael's rabbi, he used to do a lot for them, and uh, that, therefore we see here that he warrant, it warrants ripping. Now, what else does it say? We said in the Bible, said not time that you're supposed to rip, but we said right, that you're not allowed to fix it. When you rip for these people, it has to remain like that. So how do we know? We're talking about what Elisha did. So it says he took his garment and he ripped it into two pieces. Two torn pieces. He's going to say that he ripped them. Don't I know when you rip, you rip into two sections. Why does the Torah have to emphasize it was two torn pieces? Allah teaches us that they would forever remain in two sections. So we see that the, that the rip you make for the father, mother, or for the, t- the teacher is not supposed to be fixed. Says the Gemara question on this whole thing. I believe Rishlakish Rabbi Yochanan Elio Chayu is an Elio still alive, right? He never died. So why is there a Chiv Kriya? He's never really dead. So the Gemara says an interesting response. And Rabbi said back to Rishlakish, Kevin the Chiv Lo Oh, since it says that he didn't see him anymore, meaning Elisha lost him. Maybe it wasn't the technicality of death, but he lost him. He went to heaven. So the Gabi Didei Kamei Dami. In regarding regarding Elisha, it's considered a death. Meaning, what's the difference to us if if Elio is taken and in, in the form of death or taken in the form of some miracle that he's taken to heaven. Either way, if Elisha's not going to see him again, then he's treated like death. And therefore, the Chiv Kriya was, in fact, there. Interesting idea. All right, now we get back to the next halach. We said also that you have to rip and not fix for the death of the Nasi, the Avbeisin, and bad news. How do we know that? The Pasuk says, the Pasuk here in Shmuel, David grabs his garments, he rips them, all the people were with him. They, they, they cried, eulogized until the evening. What is the context? The nation of Hashem over all Klai so they had all died by the sword. So what, this is obviously the this, this, this sad story. When um, they went to war, and uh, there was a, a crushing defeat that the, the people the people suffered. So when the news reached reached David, so then he's they're, they're crying and ripping their garments. So Shaul, we learned that Nasi, right? Shaul was the, was the, was the ruler. Yonasan's Abbas and Yonasan was the Abbas and Allah Mashab Abbas Shaul Elushimus arose over the nation of Hashem and Kali Yisrael. So we see from here that if you hear bad news, David David receives all the reports. So then um, they're all of Korea. So. I, I, the Gemara is going to follow. Let's just see the Gemara for one second. David had reports of all these things together, right? Shaul, Yonasan, and that there was a huge army that fell. So maybe it's only if you have all of these uh, uh, variables coming together, like in that case, where David hears about all of them, there you rip. But if, let's say, there's just one, just the death of the Nazi, just the death of the Abbasid, or just sad news, maybe you don't rip. So the Gemara says, Al Al It says separately, right? It says they mourned Al Shol, the Al Yonason, the Al Al Mashem. So the word Al interrupts, it separates. So it interrupts in the sense that each of them in their own right means that David would rip his garments. Now, there's a big question, and we're going to see about this later. If you hear a bunch, if you have a bunch of reasons to rip and they all come at the same time, can I make one rip for all of them? Right? If let's say you have two relatives' death that come at the same time, we're going to learn in the Gemara and Ahmed Beza that you only make one rip. But um, it seems that the Gemara is saying, though, that since it says al separately, that it, it, it warrants a separate rip. So it's not clear if it means it actually has to be ripped separately, or if the Gemara just means since it says al, 
So we see each one in and of itself was a machayev. It could be since they all happened to come simultaneously, then he only did one. Either way, that's an interesting point. But the Gemara is saying that we see from the language of the Pasuk that it's supposed to be a ripping for the Nasi, the Abbas, and Chalun Yonasan, and the people of Hashem. So the Gemara says, first the Gemara has a question. Is it true that we take away from here that you're supposed to rip our garments when you hear bad news? Once happened that they said to Shmuel, it was a king shopper. So this is the times in, the, in Bavl, they had interesting types of enemies. It wasn't like, you know, crazy anti-Semitic issues. Bavl was usually, for the most part, pretty good to the Jews. But there was a king shopper who was there. And King Shopper, it tells that he killed, he killed, and there was news that he killed 12,000 Jews in a place called Mizigas Kasri. A name of a place. And what happened when Shmuel heard of Lokara? He didn't rip his garments. So obviously that seems like bad news, right? Jews are being killed. It seems very sad. 12,000 Jews, and yet Shmuel is not ripping his garments. So the Gemara answer is, They didn't say to rip over bad news unless it was something that happened to most of Klai Yisrael, like in the story with Shaul. In that case, it says the nation of Klai Yisrael fell by the sword. So the Gemara doesn't mean literally, you know, Mamish, if you take the census of half the Jews, half of the Jews died. And probably, presumably, it wasn't that case. It was, the point is that the army suffered a crushing defeat. It wasn't Stam, you know, an isolated incident where people in one town were killed. It means over there, it was Shaul and Shaul Yonasan and then the whole army, right? So the whole army went out to war and they got crushed. So if the army gets crushed, that's called, you know, the Am Hashem. But if it's not as, as dramatic as that, it's not as bad as that, it was just one specific town, so then we don't say that there's, um, that there's ripping. Okay, that's what the Gemara So now we see so this idea that you rip over bad news, it's got to be pretty bad, right? Where it's something like that, where the army was destroyed. Now the Gemara just has a question about that story with Shmuel. We called the Shavamakal. You died. Did King Shaper ever kill Jews? For Amrulei Shavamakal, Shmuel King the King Shaper himself once told Shmuel, tastily that I deserve reward. Look, Ali, you did me other. I never killed Jews. Right? He says he was good to the Jews. So what's going on? Is this a guy who's good to the Jews if he also killed twelve thousand of them? What's going on? So the Gemara clarifies the facts. In that case, the Jews brought it upon themselves, meaning. He means that he wasn't openly anti-Semitic. He didn't just kill Jews ruthlessly for no reason. But in that case, the, the Jews in the town had rebelled. Right? They, had, they, 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 they had done the wrong thing. And where do we see that they rebelled? From the noise of the, of the, of the, of the instruments in Mizigas Kasri, which it sounds like they were, they were playing out of like celebration when they, when they rebelled, from all the noise coming out of Mizigas Kasri, the walls of another city of Lukudah started cracking. So the point is, is that it was tremendous noise, this huge celebration that was going on when they were rebelling. So if they started rebelling against the king, against King Chopper, so then it makes sense that he's allowed to put down the rebellion. It wasn't considered like an openly anti-Semitic act necessarily. But in general, he didn't go and kill Jews. Okay, now we get to the next one. He said if somebody is in front of, is hearing someone else curse Hashem, and that's obviously a very sad thing. So that warrants ripping the garment. So where do we see this? It says, El Yakim, son of Chokia, was in charge of the palace. As well, Shevna described, Yoach ben Asaf, Yoach, the son of Asaf, he was the recorder. He used to record what happened. And they came to Chizkiah, and all their garments were ripped. So let's just try to talk about what in the world is going on here. Going on here. But basically, what happened is all these people, Yaakov, Son of Chokia, Shevna, and Yoach, they all came to Chizkiah, and all their garments are, are ripped. 
and they tell Chizkiah that they had heard someone curse, curse, curse Hashem's name. And then they said it over to Chizkiah, and Chizkiah also rips. That's more or less uh, what, it, what, is going, what is going on. And, and, and we're going to talk about exactly, there was like something which, which, which made them sad. I mean, yeah, the Gemara gets into the details. Let's just see the Gemara say it. Says the Gemara. So what, what happens here? If somebody hears the blasphemy themselves, if somebody hears it from somebody else, meaning even if you're not there on the scene, but if you heard it from someone who heard it on the scene, you also rip. Very interesting. It's like you hear it secondhand. But even that, you have to rip. But the witnesses who relate what was said, they themselves don't have to, don't, don't have to repeat it, don't have to rip again. In other words, the, the people heard it on the scene. When they go testify in court about what the person said, they don't have to rip again. They already ripped when they heard the actual thing. So the point that the Gemara is saying is that, let's say, you know, Ruvain curses, curses Hashem. So the, the people who were there, the, witness, the people who witnessed it, they rip. They come to the court and they tell the judges, oh, we heard so-and-so curse Hashem. So the judges, when they hear it, they're hearing it secondhand, they will rip. But the witnesses, they don't have to rip again because they already heard. Says the Gemara, who cares? Even if they ripped when they heard it, who cares? They're hearing it again. So, so when they're repeating it to the judges, the Gemara doesn't understand what's the svar that they don't have to rip again just because they previously did. So the Gemara says, well, it says that when they told Chizkiah, so it says he ripped his garments. Right? When these are the people who came to him with the ripped garments, telling him about the blasphemy, so it says Chizkiah ripped. It says that the king ripped, but the implication is the people who related to him didn't do so. So we see a source, we have a makar, that there's no din to rip again just because um, you're relating it over again. How do we know that these rips aren't meant to be fixed? Remember, the Bryce has said before, not some that we rip, but that we rip and we don't fix. How do we see? Asa Kriya Kriya. We have Xer Shav of the word Kriya. Because here it says they came to the Cheskiya Kriya Begadim. And by Elisha, it also says, And by Elisha, we learned that since it says in two torn pieces that it was to remain that way. So to here, we say it's, it was meant to remain that way. All right. Now we move on to the Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah should not be known. How do we know somebody who sees, he witnesses the Sefer Torah that is burned, how do we know that, that they has to rip his garments? It says what happened, Yehudi read three or four lines. So what happened was, the king started cutting the Torah with the, with the razor and he threw it into the fire. So what in the world is going on? So basically, this is the times right towards the end of the first base of Mikdash. Yirmiyah had written some sort of nevuah about what was going to happen in the destruction of the base of Mikdash, and they had put it into a sefer. And actually, this is basically the first thing that we have of, of Eicha, and that was written by Yirmiyah. Yirmiyah is the author, and, it, and that's more or less what it is. It's a, it's a prophecy about what's going to happen. Um, there are par- parts of Eicha which are Akina, uh, 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 that, that it was written for, Yaikonin Yirmiyah al Yoshia. There are parts of it that are for Yoshia, but there are parts of it of Eicha that are just written talking about the destruction. So they would re- they read it and they were hoping that it was going to trigger Teshuva. But one of them, they finally brought it to the king Yehoiakim. He was so upset about what he heard that he cut the Sefer Torah up and he threw it into the fire. So this is you know when he hears the third and fourth stanzas, we'll see exactly what he heard. So this is what what, what what's Machai of uh, the ripping of the Begadim. 
very interesting thing when you read Eicha. We don't, we don't realize the impact historically that Eicha had or what it was meant to be. We just sit and read it on Tishavah. Like when you see the story, I was right at the end, King Yoyakim hearing when he read it, how he, he started chopping it up and throwing it in fire. It's a very traumatic effect. So the Gemara now says, My What is it that he heard the third and fourth stanzas? What, what, why? Like what happened? So the Gemara says over the story, They told Yoyakim, Yirmiya wrote, Eicha. He's telling bad things are going to happen. Amalu Mike Sibbe. She said, What's written in there? So they started reading to him. Eicha Yashva Bada, the first Pasik, right? That she's that Yushalayim sits alone. Amalah Namalko, Yokum said, Okay, but I'm the king. Meaning, I don't care. Yushalayim is going to be alone. People are exiled, but I'm still the king. I'm not, I'm not upset about this. It says that she's going to cry in the night. She said, I don't know Malka, but I'm the king. It doesn't bother me. Kosa Yehuda Mioni. Yehuda has gone into exile from suffering. On Amalka, he said again, I'm the king. But then Darchet Zion Avelos. So the, the, the roads of Zion are in mourning. On Amalka, he, again, he insists that as long as I'm the king, Yoyakim, he's not concerned. But then you got to the next pasuk, Hayut Sarel Rosh. That Zarel, the, the, the enemies of Yerushalayim, of Yerushalayim, they became the new leaders. And the implication is that the current leaders are going to lose the throne. Right? Hayut Sarel Rosh. The enemies are going to take over. So Amalua Man Amra, who said this? They read the next passage. Hashem has spoken because of all the pshom, all the pshom that had happened. So now, miad color calls karsha b'osraf and beish. He says, ah, it's from Hashem. So he cut out all the names of Hashem and he burned them in the fire. So this is the meaning. It's only after the fifth passage was read, after three or four stanzas. That's the meaning. The after three or four stanzas were read, when we finally got up to the stanza with the pasuk, hey, of hayut sarel arosh. That's when the whole thing, the whole thing happened. This is the meaning of what is written. Um, it says that they didn't fear, they didn't rip their garments. The implication is that they should have. Like the, the Pasuk is saying, like, how could they not have ripped their garments when you experience such a thing, seeing a Sefer Torah burn? Okay, so now we have a Makar that a person is supposed to rip over such a thing. How do you know that the, the Machayev to burn was because they saw the Sefer Torah burn? Maybe it was because of bad news. Meaning, they're learning that the base of Eidish is going to be destroyed. So maybe that's why they should have ripped. How do you know that the ripping was because of the ripping of the, the destruction of the Sefer Torah? Maybe the ripping should be because of the bad news. And we know that you're supposed to rip for bad news. But we're looking for a separate source that you have to rip for a Sefer Torah that's being destroyed. How do you see that from here? So he said, Was it bad news? Bad news means something bad happened. When it occurs, when you hear bad news, like someone who hears that the army of Hashem was destroyed, okay, then you would rip. Here, they're not learning about bad news. They're learning about a future prediction that there will be a destruction. So right now, there's no destruction. So they wouldn't rip for that. Must be that they're supposed to rip because of the Sefer Torah, which was destroyed. Says the Gemara over. Very powerful Gemara. Somebody sees the star burn. It actually is Machai of two separate Kriyos. Why? One of them is for the parchment. The parchment has Kedusha, and a separate one for the Ksav, meaning there's two separate things. There's something called the parchment of the Torah. The Gvil has its own, has its own Kedusha. It says, after the king had burned the scroll and the words. So there's mashma that there are two separate things. The scroll is the parchment and the words are the script. So if somebody, somebody experiences this, then they actually have to do both. So why is there such a powerful Gemara? What is this Indian? So it seems, there's two in the Gemara and Shabbos is Meirich about this, that the Kedusha of a Sefer Torah, that when, we, when you think of the parchment, it doesn't mean the, the, the place which is under the letters. The place which is under the letters, the whole Kedusha is only Agav the Ksav. 
right? As the Gemara says, In other words, there's nothing, that's just a base, it's just a basis to hold the Kedusha of the letters. But there's a separate Kedusha on the margins, in the columns, and the space that are between the letters. In fact, the Gemara Menachos describes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe how to write the Torah. The Gemara describes it as white fire on black fire and black fire and white fire. It's like separate things. And the white fire, the Gvil, is Kadosh unto itself, which is absolutely fascinating. And the Indian of it, uh, the Mepharshim explained, is that there, it's basically like when you think of that, the Kedusha of Taira, there's the sanctity of Taira itself, which is the Isis, and then there's everything that's between the Isis, whether it's well, the life itself, or the movement, or the Kiyama mitzvahs, all the other things besides the actual Taira itself. And those are things which are Kadosh. The Gemara describes it even once the letters go away, but there's still Kedusha in the scroll, the scroll itself, meaning the white, the, 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 this part of the Torah has Kedusha. And now when that is burned, so then you lose that white fire as well. So if you lose the scroll and the letters, you have to realize you're losing both points. They're separate things. There's one Indian for losing the Torah, and there's one thing for losing the life that the Torah has to carry over to. Says the Gemara. Yeah. It, yeah, that's just hasmana. But once the letters go on, now even right, exactly. Even if the letters leave, they were sitting. He went to go to the bathroom. He took off his tefillin. He put them on a cushion. An ostrich, right? With the long neck, the ostrich will swallow anything. Comes boy He wants to swallow the tefillin. Omar, he said, If it would have occurred, if the ostrich would have swallowed it, I would have had to rip twice. Right? Why? Because the tefillin have the ksivas ha'isiyas, mamash and 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 for the um, and for the parchment. So very interesting thing. So the same thing we're assuming is that it's not only sevitar because there where they would have had to rip for eicha. So so to here with the with the tefillin, and even though this is it would eat it, not not burned, but we assume that eating is just as bad as the burning. So I'm leaving Allah Haha, how do you know about the of those that once happened with me? Vasa come to Ramasa, I can drop Mazza if I have to rip, Lobby Ati didn't know. I saw come into the Amaliakam Shwalamazhaya. This thing that you have to burn, that, that, that I'm sorry, that you have to rip if the Torah is destroyed, it's only if it was taken forcibly. Like the case with Oyakam where he destroyed it and we were powerless to stop him. We couldn't do anything, that's where you rip. Meaning it's not the tragedy itself that it happened. If a bird did something, the bird did something. Okay, it's not it's not necessarily the saddest thing. But, but, but if it happens like an accident, right? So you don't have to rip. It's only where someone, a human being, is doing this forcibly and other people can't stop him, that's where you rip. All right, the Gemara continues. How do we know that we rip over the cities of Yehuda if you see them? It says here in the Pasuk in Yermia that there were people who were coming from Shiloh and Shomron. There were 80 men, shaven beards and ripped garments, and they had cut their flesh. They had come with carbonos. They were people who were bringing carbonos. They, didn't wear the, they weren't aware the base of Mendes had already been destroyed. So when they came to the scene and they started seeing, they started ripping their garments. Says the Gemara, Amar Chabarma, Ula Bira, Amar Velas, or Rabbi Yudah B'Chorvana, and someone who sees the cities of Yudah when they're destroyed, he should say something, right? There's halacha, you, there's what to say when you get to the base of English. Omar, Ari Kachacha, you midbar. You should say over the Pazak from Yeshaya, how could it be that your holy cities have become like a wilderness? And then you rip. Yushalayim B'Chorvana, somebody's Yushalayim and is destroyed. Omar, Tzion, Midbar, Haisa, Yushalayim, Shemama. How could Tzion become like a wilderness? Yushalayim, like a wasteland, a Korea, and rip. Base of Migdash, Rechabano, Omar, base Kachenu. The base of Mikdash and our splendor, Asher Lucha Avosinu, where our, our, our fathers have praised you, Hayyilus Yerfesheshi became a fiery place. And all the place that we desired became ruined. And then he should rip. 
Why else did we say He said there's a scenario where once you rip for the base of Mikdash, you don't have to rip separately for Yerushalayim, but you can just extend that rip more for Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says, what's going on? It says in Hebrew, somebody who hears about the destruction of the base of Mikdash, someone who was alive then, someone who sees it in its ruined state, even in our times, Kivan Shigil at Sofim, as soon as you, when he's traveling to Yerushalayim, he reaches Sofim. Sofim is a village near Yerushalayim where you could see the base of Mikdash. So, in other words, the distress starts already at the point when you reach Sofim where you can see a Korea. He should rip. The Korea Mikdash from Yerushalayim, and it says that you should rip, rip separately for the base of Mikdash and separately for Yerushalayim. So, meaning the Mashmoah says you need a separate rip. It's not good enough just to extend the rip. So, we have a stira. We said that you could just extend the rip. Here we're saying that, that, that it, has, it warrants a separate rip. So the Gemara explains, The original prize saw is where you came to the base of Mikdash first. So once you rip for the base of Mikdash, and then you get to Yerushalayim, we'll see how that could be. So then well, you only extend it. That's okay to just extend it. But if you first got to Yerushalayim and you made a rip, and then you got to the base of Mikdash, then you have to make a separate one. So the case to Rishonim say of where you got to the base of Mikdash, and then you got to Yerushalayim, is that you were in a, you were in a carriage, right? You were in a, you know, a window with black, black window design, right? So you can't see. So you didn't notice the ruins of Yerushalayim. You got right to the base of Mikdash. So then you rip for the base of Mikdash first. Then when you're traveling out and you see Yerushalayim is also destroyed, then you can only, it's okay to just extend the rip. Whereas if it's the other way, you saw Yerushalayim first and you ripped, then when you get to the base of Mikdash, you have to make a separate rip. Says the Gemara, Tan and Bakulan, in all of these cases, Rashaun Lasholam. Even though you're not allowed to fix them regularly, you could be Shola. Sholem is where you make like a basic sort of uh, like broad stitches, but you don't, you're not mending them properly, but you're allowed to make some stitches to put it back together. Molan, you could fold it, look done together, to make it like ladders. All of these things are different ways of making stitching on it and like, uh, you know, just like patching it back together, but not doing it correctly. And you can't mend them properly. Now the Gemara describes what that is. It means to do a that the, the people in Alexandria do. The Alexandrians had a very good way of sewing the fabric from the inside, and somehow they had, it was like a skill, a craft, that they were able to fix it properly. Somebody rips me. On something, in other words, it had ripped once, and then he, he, he fixed it like decently, and now he's ripping it again. Mitoch Amla, on where it was folded, Mitoch Alekad, where it was gathered, Mitoch Aslamas, where there were ladder stitches. All these cases, Lo Yatsa, he's not Yotze again. Because if, I, if it's never allowed, um, in, in, in other words, the point is, it's, it's not considered whole, right? In other words, if I rip once, I'm not allowed to fix it properly, right? We're saying fix it properly, but I could make, you know, these broad stitches. So what's the shot? What do I see? With the, when the stitches are done broadly, it's not really fixed. So if I'm going to rip again on that spot, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. But if I rip on a place where it was properly fixed, then because when it's properly fixed, it's properly fixed. So when we say properly fixed, we mean again, this method of the Alessandri fixing, that's the only thing that's really considered fixed. Tadarabana. Somebody who, um, who ripped his garment, he's allowed to, to flip it, to flip it to the bottom of the garment. He's turning, he's turning it, making the top the bottom, and then he can fix it. In other words, normally, where do you rip? You rip at the top, right, by the, by the neck. And the bride is saying that if you, if you turn it the other way now, so that, 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 that the bottom is now by the neck, and the neck is now at the hem, then you could rip on the bottom part. I'm sorry, you can fix it on the bottom part. In other words, you wait for the amount of time, 30 days for the death of a parent or something like that, and then you're allowed to do it, um, and then you're allowed to fix it, fix it regularly. So as long, the idea is that 
you're not just fixing it. It's not what you're doing. You're, you're forever remembering the Kriya, right? Because you had to flip it. But once you flip it, then you can do it regularly. So he says, no, even after it's inverted, you're never allowed to properly fix it. So just as the seller is not allowed to fix it, meaning I rip. So if let's say I rip, I'm not allowed to fix it and sell it to somebody else. So let's say I sell it not to somebody else. Somebody else also is not allowed to totally fix it. Therefore, the seller has to tell the buyer. Meaning if I sell it, it's my duty, it's my obligation to tell the buyer, hey, this that there's a rip in the baggage, you can never fix it. Right? And it's going to have less value. It's not just a din in me and my grief. It's a din in the beget. Once the beget has gotten this rip in it for these reasons, it, the beget has a din that it can never be totally fixed. So therefore, it's on the mocher to inform the lokeach that he's not allowed to totally fix it. Okay. The original ripping is supposed to be one tefach. Right? We had this back. We learned this back on on, on This is not for a parent. For a parent, you're supposed to get to the heart. But for everybody, yeah, all other forms, it's only only needed to be a tefach. But in the case where you're adding on to it, if you have an extension, like you know there was, um, you know you ripped and then afterwards another relative died, something like that. So then you have to add on only another three tefachim. That's Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yudah says, and just to clarify, a tefach is four tefachim, right? It's like this, like a fist. So you, the, the original one is four, and then the adding is another three. That's Rameir. You don't opposite. The, rich, the original ripping is only three tfach, three fingers. But Tosef is kosher, and the extension could be any size, even just a small amount. So Rabbi Yehuda is much more meikel. We pass him like Rameir in the initial kriya that it has to be a tefach. L'chumra has to be four fingers, not just three. But Rabbi Yehuda, but Tosef is like Rabbi Yehuda and the Tosef is that it could be any size. So we get like a compromise between the views. In regard to the original kriya, we say it has to be a tefach. In regard to the extension, it could be any size. The original rib is at least a tefach, but Tosef is kosher. The extension can be any size. Somebody was told that his father died, so he ripped. And then after that point, after the morning, they told him that his son has died. So he was Mosif. He extended on the rip, right? Again, that's the halacha. If you have a rib and then you hear about the death of a second relative, you could be Mosif. So what's the halacha? So here he has two rips. The top one, the original one, was for the father. The extension was for the son. There's a big chilek and halach. On the father, you're never, you're never allowed to properly fix it. The son's rib, you're allowed, to fi- you're allowed to properly fix. So here that the top one was for the father and the bottom one was for the son, so the extension at the bottom could be properly fixed after the 30 days because it wasn't for a parent. But Elio on the top one, is not allowed to be properly fixed since it came for a parent. Even though it became one big rib, but there's different portions of it. If it's the opposite, Mace Benovakara, first he was informed about the son, so he ripped the garment. Mace Aviv, and then after that morning period, he was informed about the father. And he extended the rib. So here it's the opposite. The top one is for the son, and the bottom is for the parent. So Elian Mesacha, the initial part at the top, may be fixed because it was for the son. Tahto, and the extension at the bottom, Ena Mesacha, is not allowed to be fixed because that was for the parent. Mace Aviv, Mace Imo, Mace Achav, Mace if let's say somebody gets in one report that all of his relatives have died here, father, mother, brother, sister, all of them, and he can make one rib for all of them because since he got the report all together, it's only one rib. If it would come separately, then he's to do it separately. But here it's coming for, for all of them. One rib that he could do for all of them. So before we were talking about where they appeared separately and we're talking about, okay, it's already there. You could just extend the rip. But here he's learning of all the news together. So one rip suffices for all of them. For all of them besides the parent, you, you rip you rip one. But for a father and mother, you have to make a separate one. In other words, the kibbutz aim is a separate point.
For parents, you cannot extend. Um, you, there's no extension. In other words, it always has to be something. According to Rabbi Yudah our parents have to be separate. So he's not Stam arguing on this case where Tanakhama was saying you hear about the news of the whole family together, then, then the death of the whole family together, you can make one. Rabbi Yudah is no, no, the parents have to be separate. He's also arguing on the case that we had in the beginning of the Brisa, even if you ordered it separately, but you can't extend for a parent. He holds a parent always has to have a separate one. My time, but what is the reason? Why, why can't he just rip for the other relatives and extend for a father and mother? His parents can't just be extended, meaning that's Kufa Hishita. There always has to be a separate thing, Legamri, for the parents. As that, the Tanakama held, it could be all bundled together. And he's saying, no, parents always have to be separate. Says the Mara we pass in that way. So if someone hears the death of the family, it has to be a separate rip, or if there was already a rip for a different family member, and then you hear the news of a parent, it has to be a separate rip. Didn't we say we always remember what's the overarching Yisoid that we always pass in like the lenient opinion in Avelis? So here, Rabbi Yudim is being more machmer. He's saying you have to rip separately for a parent. So why are we passing like him? Isn't the halacha always like the lenient opinion? So the Gemara says a fascinating Yisoid. Avelus lechud, kriya lechud. Mourning is one category, ripping is another category. That the concept of avelus is not the same concept of ripping. So in avelus, mourning, expressions of mourning, you always go lakula. But here it's not an expression of mourning. Ripping is a separate machayev, a separate machayev lagamri. So it's not even done, but it's done before the burial, right? It's done before the person is technically mourning. It's done before. So therefore, we do it, um, we do it lechumra. So there's another, another interesting halacha, like we find by that, that you rip, let's say, on Cholomoyed, even though there's no mourning on Cholomoyed. Like there's sometimes it's a separate, it's not necessarily an expression of Avelos. Says the Gemara, Shailarichon Korea, until where does a person rip to be Yotze? In other words, how far down can you continue to do it when new relatives die? Meaning we know the original rip is whatever it is, we said a tefach before is how much you rip. But when I have one relative die, then another relative, another relative, so I keep on ripping, extending. But how, how, how far down can I go until Ad Khan? You got to make a new rip after that. So the Gemara says, Ati Bura, until the, the, the navel. If you hear Libo, some people say only until the heart. Rip your heart and not your garment. So that's a Zecher that the ripping can only go till the heart. If you reach the navel, what do you do now? In other words, you've already ripped so much and extended so much. So what do you do? So you have to move the distance of three at suppose from the initial one and start at the top, make a new rip. Ismail of Afanov became filled with rips on the front of the bag then you could turn the rip part around to the back and now rip the back, which is now in the front. Ismail got ripped on the top of the you can flip it so that the rip part is on the bottom and then and then rip what now is on the top. You're always supposed to rip from the top. Someone who rips from the bottom of the baguette or from the sides is not Yotze. You're supposed to do it from the top. Ella, she kohen gadol parmel mata. The kohen gadol, when the kohen gadol's relative dies, he rips from the bottom. So the Gemara explains why this is true. Kohen gadol, that's and the Gemara tells us otherwise. Not a lot of rip. The Torah says kohen gadol is not supposed to have the expression of avelus in that way. So it's also for him to do it. So the point is, it's just a way of saying, you know, I want to be in sorrow, but I'm not allowed to rip my veget. So he does a ripping from the bottom. Gufa, that's from the exception. You see the rule. The rule is that ripping normally has to be done from the top. The kohen gadol who can't rip, he does from the bottom. Says the Gemara. Here we talk about again. You rip for one relative now, a second relative dies. So, if the second relative is during the shiva, then you rip. A, you have to make a new rip. 
listen to this Allah. If you hear about this death of the second relative during the Shiva of the first one, you need a separate rip. Lachar Shiva, but if you heard about it after the Shiva Mosif, then you could just extend the original rip. The Gemara is going to tell us what this far is. If the second death is within the Shloshim, then you have to make a separate rip. Lachar Shloshim Mosif. After the Shloshim, then that's where you're allowed to just extend. So the Gemara gives us the lumdus here why this is like that. What's the Yisoy that if you heard it during the Shiva, you have to make a new rip? Because you're not allowed to fix the rip. Again, for a relative, the din is during Shiva, you're not allowed to fix it. You're allowed to fix it after the Shiva. So if the Yisoy is, if it's something which can't be fixed now, so it's not, I can't just extend onto it right now because it's not considered a new entity. Because right now the rip has to remain a rip. So I have to make a separate rip. If I hear it during the Zman, that the first rip has to remain a rip, so then I can't just extend onto that. I have to make a separate rip. So if that's the aside, we say that a woman is allowed to fix her rip right away. She can make stitches on it right away. So so what would be for her? If she would get the report of another death during Shiva, so she should be allowed to extend it. Because if the whole lumdus is, what's the lumdus? The lumdus is that if I hear about the news of the second time, when it's already ripped and I can't fix it, so then I can't just extend it. I have to make a different one. So for a woman, that because of the modesty, she's allowed to fix it right away. So if she gets the news of a second relative after she fixed it, she should be allowed to extend it. Meaning, why can't I extend it? I can't extend it because the original rip is remaining a rip, so it doesn't, it's not a new entity. So, so for a woman who is allowed to fix it out of modesty, so when she gets the news of a second one, she should be allowed to. But the kasha is, we said in the, unequivocally that, that during Shiva, you always have to make a new rip, which implied even if it's a woman. So the Gemara says, It's just because of her dignity, meaning it's just because of modesty that she's allowed to put it back together, not because she's mourning less. So the point is that in Lumdus, the fact that it was stitched back together because of her modesty doesn't entitle her you know, to more than a man would have. If, if just as a man, since it's Be'etz Mechai of the rib should stay throughout the entire Shiva, therefore he has to make a new rib for the death of the second relative. So a woman has the same halacha. I, for the woman, it's already stitched back together because of modesty, but she's not entitled to a kula because of that point. All right, so that's the, the pshad. Now we understand. If you hear about the news during the Shiva, then you have to make a new rib because the original rib was staying unopened. Now, what's the pshat in the shloshim? Because after seven days, even though you can make broad stitches, but you're not allowed to mend it properly. So therefore, an extension would be not considered a new entity. That's where he's coming from. So let's say it was a rip for one's parents where it's never allowed to be fixed properly. So if you hear about another relative's death, you're never, you should never be allowed to extend the rip that was made for the parent. But the kasha is, it's not true. We said if you hear about Al-Akhash Loshim, you could. But Frek de Gemara, what do you mean? If, it's, if the original rip was made for a parent, it's never allowed to be totally fixed, so you shouldn't be allowed to extend it. So it says the Gemara, That's only because of the honor to the father and the mother that you're not allowed to properly fix it after 30 days. Not else the din of Avelos. Else the din of Avelos, really after 30 days, Avelos is over. It's just a new din, a new din of Kibar Ava'im that you're not supposed to fix it properly. So therefore, you could extend it. So basically, the concept to wake away from, and it's a hard idea, is that whenever you're in the period of Avelos, where the rip has to continue out the Avelos, and the Allah is during Shiva, it has to remain without any fixing. And then until the Shloshim is over, it has to remain without a full fixing. Then I'm not allowed to extend if there's a second news of a death of a relative. Then I have to make a new one. After those time periods, then I could just extend it because the original one, Be'etzim, was allowed to be fixed.
Someone who goes out with a ripped garment in front of the deceased. In other words, he puts on an old garment that's ripped and he goes with that one instead of ripping fresh. Right? He's stealing from the he's stealing the covenant. He's really should be ripping new. He's also deceiving the public, right? That's a bad thing. You're tricking everybody. You're pretending like you ripped Korea. You didn't. You just put on a shirt that it was already ripped. Somebody says to his friend, He says, please, can I borrow a baguette? And he tells the person, by the way, I'm going to visit my father who's very sick. So he informed him where he was going. And then he went that his father, he finds his father died. He's wearing a baguette that he borrowed. Is he allowed to rip the, 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 the borrowed baguette? So Korea Macho, he rips it and then he's allowed to fix it. He's allowed to rip it because since he told the person he was going to visit his father who was very sick, the, father, the person who lent it to him understood that there was a possibility it might be ripped, but he should fix it before he gives it, uh, before he gives it back. And he comes back home, he, he also should pay him for the amount that it depreciated because he ripped it. If he didn't tell him that he was going to visit his father, who was very sick, then then he shouldn't touch it because it's not his to rip. It's a borrowed thing. So if, he didn't, if the person who lent it to him didn't know he was going to visit his sick father, then he shouldn't rip it. Says the Gemara Tanurabban Cholish Amez Lomez. Let's say a very sick person had a relative die. In Modino Soshemez, we shouldn't inform him that his relative died. Why? Shemiti Tarif died to love. He might become lose his mind and he might die. We might cause the person to die. So we don't tell a very sick person that their relative died. We don't rip our garments in their presence. And we silence the women from doing their wailing and lamenting in his presence because we have to be sensitive to the person's state of mind. Even though a katan normally doesn't mourn, but we rip the mourner's garments if he's a katan so that people will, 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 will like get very choked up from that. Most of person should rip their garments for their mother-in-law and father-in-law and they covered Ishto out of respect for the wife. Meaning even though you're not really having shiva, but out of respect for one's wife, they should rip their garments. That when someone is mourning, a very famous halacha, they shouldn't put a child on their lap. They shouldn't be playing with their children when they're in Avelos. It just brings to laughter. And it becomes disgraced by people. People are saying, like, what's this person doing playing with children while they're in, they're in the middle of Shiva? So what did we learn? That when you sue this havra, when you're feeding the mourner, so the mourner sits on an overturned bed, but the people feeding the meal, so they sit on an upright bed. So the Gemara says, Tanur we elaborate. Someone is going to the house of the mourner when the mourner's meal is being served. If you're particularly close to the mourner, then you sit with the mourner on the overturned bed. But if you're not particularly close, you're stopping paying a shiva visit, but you're not like really close, then you shouldn't, then you should serve him rather on an upright bed. So it depends how close you are. If you're very close, you sit down on the floor with the mourner. If you're not so close, when you're serving the meal, you sit on the bed, on an upright bed. So the Gemara says a story, Rava is by Milsa, Rava was sitting Shiva. Abba was also called Abba Miyumi, came to visit him. Rava Zakif. So Rava sat up the bed for Abba Bamata to sit on because he didn't feel particularly close to him. So he, he thought he would sit on the upright bed. Abramati coffee, but Abramata overturned it to sit on the floor when he was serving Rava. Amar Rava said, This guy has no common sense. Like, this guy is not even that close to me, and, he, and he's sitting on the floor when he's giving me a Sudha Savara. So, the bottom line is if you're very close, you sit on the floor with the mourner. If you're not particularly close, then you should serve him on the upright bed.